Right. Ooh, very loud. Okay, um, we're going to be looking at a very short passage of the Bible this morning. Um, that's an example of baptism um, in the early church. So when things first started getting going, this is one example of someone getting baptised. Um, so we're going to find that in the book of the Acts. Okay, um, And this is a book that tells us all about the sort of very, very early days of the Christian church getting, back, getting going. Um, sort of Jesus leaving, his Holy Spirit coming, and the church kind of spreading rapidly across the Roman Empire. So in front of you, you will find a little Bible. It's a red one, and it'll be in the pew. So if you want to follow, then you can. And the page you'll be looking for is 1101. And you'll find that towards the back. So there's only a tiny, weeny little bit back left at the back. 1101. And it's Acts chapter 8. And you can see that at the top of the page. And right down the bottom, on the right-hand page, you'll see a title, Philip and the Ethiopian. And this is a little account of what happens with him. Okay, so if you look down there, underneath you'll see a tiny little 26, and that's the verse, and that's where we're going to start reading. Okay, so it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on the way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candice, or Candace, I don't know, <laughs> queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water, why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And we're going to stop there. Okay. Now, I wonder what you are like at asking for help or asking questions. Um... I heard this joke, some may not appreciate it. It says, do you know the real reason Moses wandered in the desert for 40 years? 
It's because even back then, men couldn't ask for directions. <laughs> I know, we're so mean. But all of us, don't we? We really struggle with asking for help. So what I want you to do, a uh, bit brave, with the person next to you, I want you to think um, about what are some of the reasons that stop us asking questions or asking for directions or asking for advice? So I'm just going to give you a very short amount of time. Just have a little brainstorm with the person next to you. Okay. Right. Very quickly. Um, Fee, I'm sorry. Come on, quick. Can you grab this and just run around with it? Just two seconds. <laughs> she loves it. Right, quick. Any reasons we don't ask for advice? Not oh. wanting to look silly. Absolutely. This is a classic one for me. I don't want to admit that I don't know. Self-sufficiency, just being in pride. Pardon, can you do that again? That was hard. Oh, sorry, I was saying, um, being, um, wanting to be self-sufficient and, and pride stops you. Pride. Ooh, yeah. And also, we're told all the time, aren't we, to, um, you know, sort it out. Get it together. You can do it. And we're taught this kind of independence the whole time. Stubborn. Stubborn. Yeah, kind of goes with pride. Anyone, let's have one more and then we'll crack on. Just embarrassment to ask questions. Yeah, absolutely. Embarrassment certainly gets you. Thank you, Fee. That was your excellent at that. <laughs> She's not amused. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, there are lots of reasons, aren't there? And I know that pride for me gets in the way of me asking. But one thing I've noticed, because I'm qualified uh, primary school teacher, and the ones that ask the most questions, I've noticed in the classroom and in everyday life, are actually always the ones that are most academically with it. It's interesting, isn't it, that they are hungry to know. They're never content to just let things go. I found this Danish proverb. It says, he who's afraid of asking is ashamed of learning. It's that kind of not content to let it go or skip over because it's a bit tricky. I know sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, it's a bit tricky. Maybe I'll just kind of skim very fast over that and get on something else. There can be that temptation um, but this guy was not afraid to ask, was he? Even just some completely random weirdo that's suddenly running alongside his chariot. He says, do you understand? He's like, no, come on up. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Well, what do we know about this man? Let's have a look. If you've got your Bible, you can have a look at verse 27, which is the little 27. And you can have a little look in there. We know that he was really important this was no kind of just general everyday guy. He was really important. We know he was a eunuch, which could mean emasculation. Um, and that would make sense. If he's working for the queen, uh, often that would be really important when it makes sure nothing's ever going to happen there. Um, but it can equally just mean the word official. Um, I read that they would use this word kind of interchangeably just with the word official. And he's really good with numbers. He's an accountant. Do you know any of them? <laughs> Found a horrible joke. If an accountant's wife can't sleep, what does she say? Darling, could you tell me about your work? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Phil. 
We can say that in lots of jobs. Um, seriously, though, we know this guy's really clever. He didn't fail his GCSE maths, definitely. He is really, he knows his stuff, and he's probably used to people asking him stuff all the time. We know that he's quite wealthy. He's travelled this vast journey in a very expensive private carriage. Um, and he's got responsibilities. But what else do we know? Well, we know that this is a man who believes in God. And he wants to understand more about this God. Um, he's not content to stop with what he thinks he knows. Or pretend he knows, because that would be tempting, wouldn't it? Pretend that you know everything. Um, he wants to know, and he's travelled vast distances to worship this God, to get involved in the rituals that are happening at the temple, um, and he's purchased this incredibly expensive manuscript. You know, this wasn't something you could just nip down the shops and get. You know, all these manuscripts had to be handwritten. And even if a slightest mistake was made, uh, an extra full stop by mistake or a comma, the whole thing was scrapped and started again. And he's managed to get hold of one of these. Very wealthy. Uh, and it's much more than just a vague interest in spiritual things. But most important, on the flip side of this, is a really important truth. And it's the same one um, that Amanda and James have spoken about too. As much as this man wants to know God, God already knows him. And he's a God who really wants this Ethiopian accountant to know him. And not just distantly, but he really wants to know him. So have a look at these verses, or from your memory, what shows us that God wants this man to know him? What is it that gives us the clues? I'm going to give you two minutes, and I won't sound the microwave this, mi microwave? Microphone this time. Two minutes. What is it that shows us that God wants this man to know him? Off you go. Well, the most obvious thing, isn't it, that he has sent Philip. Um, there he is, travelling along the road on his own, and he sends Philip. Now, Philip isn't just any old guy. Philip is like this amazing public speaker who like talks to thousands of people, and he does these miracles, and everyone like becomes believers in Jesus. And he sends Philip miles and miles down a road into the desert... To speak to thousands? No. One carriage, one solitary man, and one guy that's not even from his own country. It's really interesting, isn't it? He, God has, knows this guy intimately, and he wants this guy. He's saying, what does this mean? He says, okay, I'll send you somebody. And Amanda saw that, hasn't she? She wanted to know more about God. And God went, dum -de -dum -de -dum, we'll put someone there. That will do nicely. And in um, the case of James, didn't send someone, just spoke to him directly. And I guess when we give our testimonies of, and people here who know Jesus, they're all different. But sometimes it involves people. Sometimes God just talks to us. I know of someone who was sitting across the road in Waitrose, what was Safeway's car park, just putting a shop in a way. God said, hello. God works in amazing ways, but if you're looking for him, 
he is certainly ready to show himself to you. And Philip says very simply, um, once he runs along, he's like, oh, that's interesting what this guy's reading. Do you understand? And the guy says, you know, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And so he invites him up. I wonder for you what it's like, you know, um, maybe like Amanda and James, you've got some kind of inkling that there might be a God. I'm wondering, like after they've spoken, have you got questions? And this is the key point, isn't it? You know, do you just walk out the door and think, hmm, that was interesting, and get on with your life? Or do you ask questions like this Ethiopian decided, all right. I'd quite like to know. Tell me about it a bit more. We could, of course, just brush it aside or say, I'm not really interested. But maybe there's a hint. I would probably, I'd be pretty sure that most people, if not every single person in this room, has had some kind of experience, some spiritual experience of God. It's really interesting when you talk to people. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I don't believe in that, it's really rubbish. But then you say, oh, you've never had anything. They go, well, no this one time and it's interesting with Amanda and James they both said they had an awareness as children but they just ignored it if you want to know more if you're kind of one of these people that does want to know there's a course that starts tonight it's seven weeks and it's really simple it's just who is Jesus why did he come what was his death about what does it mean to follow him It's not pressurised, you just have a bit of food together, we sit around, we chat about some questions, and then we go home again. If you're interested in that, I've got loads of these, you can come get one from me afterwards. Starts tonight, half six, and we'll be in the back hall, so we won't be in this big building, we'll be in a smaller room, and just go down the side, and you'll find me and some others there. So if you want one of those, let me know. But, let's crack on. What was it that both Amanda and James and this guy heard that makes them want to be baptised. Okay, well, let's look at the passage that the Ethiopian was reading. So let's have a little look at it. If you've got your Bible, you can have a little look. It starts at the uh, little 32 on page 1102. And it says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, the guy reading this in the past is like, what on earth is this about? Now, this is a Greek translation of the book of Isaiah, written by a prophet, and that's just someone who hears God and tells people what he says. But it was written six or seven hundred years before Jesus. But the amazing thing is, if you actually go to Isaiah and you look at this passage, and it's a really long one, this is just a few, this is just two verses out of masses, word for word, it tells exactly what would happen to Jesus, what he would be like, how he would die, that he would rise again. It's all there. It's worth looking at. Here it says, he was led like a sheep, like a lamb. He didn't open his mouth. He was deprived of justice and his life was taken. And in the New Testament, the writers are always often talking about Jesus as the lamb. Bit weird. 
Now, you might think that means he's weak or he's meek, but he's also described as the lion. Now, the lamb is to do with his role. And in the biographies of Jesus' life and death, if you remember Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it says that he was denied justice. You know, the trial that he went through was so, it had nothing at all based on it, that he was bounced between people who were all going, I've got nothing on this guy. What on earth can we do with him? And yet, despite that, he died one of the most horrific deaths invented by the Romans for the most pain and the most drawn out, most horrific death. It was, it was a, a, a death that would be frightening to people, stop any rebellion. And Pilate, the official who finally kind of sent him to this, he said to the people, the crowd who wanted him to die, why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted louder, crucify him. Why, what crime he had committed, no crime. And remember what Isaiah said, he was deprived of justice. And Jesus, as he was going, he didn't beg for mercy, he didn't break down. In fact, he was silent, which fulfills the bit where it says he didn't open his mouth. And you see, the image of the lamb going to slaughter was really clear in a lot of people's mind. Where has this uh, Ethiopian just been? He went to the temple where they're doing all these sacrifices. They get a lamb, they take the lamb, they put their hands on the lamb's head, they confess their sin, their guilt, anything that they're feeling bad about, and then the lamb dies in their place. It's a really sobering picture of what perhaps they deserve. And I don't know if you've ever felt despair over the past or you've heard someone saying, I wish I could go back and change it. But of course you can't. And this kind of compensation, people want to make up for it, don't they? To pay for what they've done. So maybe they say, oh, I'll make it up to you. And they might give financial help or something like that. But this is a kind of underlying, this feeling of guilt, of needing to put things right, it goes much deeper. It's a much deeper need of us needing to put things right with God. The God who made us and created us and gave us so much potential for good to do amazing things, and yet we're selfish and we're greedy. And we all know that about ourselves. We might think of ourselves as generally nice people, but we know deep down there's things we could have done that we didn't. All those things that we did do, we wish we hadn't. And the lamb, the temple sacrifice, created a way of putting things right with God. The lamb took the punishment. But I don't know if you like me, the lamb doesn't last. Every few minutes, I make a mess. I stuff up. I would need thousands of lambs. I'd need to be going the whole time. Because constantly, I'm not doing what I should do, or I'm doing what I shouldn't do. Or I'm thinking what I shouldn't have thought. Because ultimately, I get it wrong all the time. But Jesus is described as the lamb. The one lamb. And it says it's once and for all. And he took all our sin. That doesn't mean he took a little bit and then you'll need him the next day. No. Once and for all. Every bit of sin. And the Gospel of John finishes with the words, It is finished. And that's not, um, you know, it's finished and you might need to be do a little bit afterwards. No, it's finished, complete. For this Ethiopian, for James, for Amanda, for us who know Jesus, 
We know that everything that's happened in the past, everything we might do wrong in the future, has been paid for. It is finished. And as Manda and James go in the water today, it doesn't make them a Christian. They've already done that. This is just a sign. This is them just saying, look, I want to be obedient to God. And as they go under the water, they're going to remember that Jesus died. As they're under there, they're going to remember that he was buried. And as they come up, they'll be smiling because they're going to remember that it didn't finish there. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. And that is a guarantee for them that this is never going to be the end. They have got eternity, not just now in relationship with God, but forever. And the Ethiopian, he went on his way rejoicing, just as Amanda and James will today, just going on their way rejoicing, knowing that God knows them intimately and has put people in their lives or things in their lives that has helped them to know him better. So we're going to pray together now. And um, you've heard Amanda and James, you've heard me today, and maybe you've still got questions. But the prayer I'm just going to pray now is just that we admit that we've done things wrong and that we really need Jesus. And as I read it, if you agree with it at the end, you can just say amen or yes simply or I agree, whatever makes you comfortable. Let's pray together. Dear God, I admit that I have not always chosen to do the right thing. I've thought wrong thoughts and I've not given you the place in my life that you deserve. I'm sorry for the times that I've not done, said or thought what was right. Please forgive me today. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place, for taking the punishment I deserve. I choose today to invite you to come into my life now by your spirit to be Lord over my life, to follow you the best I can until you return or I die and come to be with you. Amen. Well, if you're able to say that prayer today, please come and see me. Or if you're interested in knowing more and thinking, I still haven't got a clue what you're on about, Lou. That's fine. This is the course for you. And you can spend week after week grilling me about it all. Okay. We're going to baptise in a minute. I think we're going to sing a song.